can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Welcome to Talking Pools Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I did that on purpose. <laughs> hey oh. Hey. <laughs> this have you ever had to interview somebody? Never. For, no. Not for anything, not for any position, not for any job anywhere ever. No. Okay. Well, I've done it quite a bit and I can tell you it is an extremely draining process. It sounds awful. Interviewing people for an entire day it is. It sucks the life out of you. And by the time you get back home at the end of the day, you are completely just drained like you're a sponge and you got wrung out and all your juices just puddled on the floor. Ew. There's this one interview that sticks out in my mind from years and years and years ago, but I've never forgot it just simply because it was the abomination of all job interviews. Is this worse than the turkey guy? This is worse than the turkey guy. Let oh me tell God. you what happened. So okay. I set up this day of interviews, right? And I have staff on hand so that way they can grab the resumes, bring them back to me. I can review the resumes and then have them bring the person back, sit down, interview them. And there's still enough people to run my store. At this time, it was a retail store, swimming pool supplies that I was operating. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this person comes in. It's the second interview of the day. And they seem a little flustered, but they're there on time. It's cool. And they hand my employee resume to bring back to me. And they also, we also required that they fill out a job application as well anyway. So we had him fill out the job application. Then he brings that back to me. And I'm looking through it before I sit down and call this person back. And as I'm going through it, just double checking, blah, 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 getting some questions in my mind. I get to that one box. You know, the box that asks, have you ever been convicted of a felony? Yes. Well, that box was unchecked. And instead of checking it, the person drew a question mark next to it. A question mark? A question mark, right? <laughs> so HR issues, right? You cannot ask somebody what they did if they check off that they had a felony. You're not supposed to be able to really question that. It has to be like yes or no questions, correct? Correct. Right. But I found a way. They brought the, had them bring the person back to me. We sat down and we were talking and I asked a few questions, you know, the normal things. Tell me about yourself, your greatest strength, your greatest weakness. I didn't have anybody sell me a f***ing pen because we didn't sell f***ing pens. So I thought that was stupid. But I had to sell a pen once when I got my job at Best Buy and I bombed it. And she was like, oh, um, why don't you go talk to the guy who runs inventory? <laughs> He's back. <laughs> so <laughs> He runs the back of the house. He's over there. <laughs> stocking shelves is the life for you. Anyway, That's so this person story. comes back. So here's what I thought. Look, check it out. So because you can't really ask them about, they sat down, no check in the box. They drew in the question mark. I got to that point and I said, hey, look, so-and-so, I noticed here that you did not check the box, yes or no, where it asks if you've ever been convicted of a felony. Instead, you drew a question mark. Did you not mm. understand the question? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very clever. This is what the person said to me, and this is pretty close to verbatim. 
I really need this job. I was running late this morning. I got all my stuff together. I jumped into my car. I was over in Queens. And as I was driving out, I accidentally hit somebody on my street. And I don't know if I'm going to get a felony or not, because I'm not sure if they got my plate number as I was driving away. Oh, my God. Are you serious? This guy, and he tells me this story. And I'm like, and you really expect me to continue the interview after this, right? This tells me a whole bunch about your character. (laughs) Well, I feel bad for the person that got hit, but holy shit. Want more talking pools? Well, poolmagazine.com just gave the Unorthodox podcast a reoccurring column that will be featured in each edition, both online and print. Wowza, the hottest new pool industry trade magazine featuring up-to-the-minute news on what's happening in the pool world, combined with the industry's fastest-growing podcast. This could be the mother of all partnerships. You heard it right, the Talking Pools podcast will be on the pages of the mag with a fresh new stylized format with a mobile-friendly app. Keep your fingers on the pulse of the pool industry with poolmagazine.com and the Talking Pools podcast. Download on Google Play and the App Store. Did you see that there was another letter that came out announcing chlorine price increases? I, I I saw something about it. I haven't been on the internet this much this week. I hate talking about price increases, and I know we've been discussing it a lot, especially when we talk about chlorine, but it's something that keeps happening. So if you are a person in the pool industry and you didn't get this letter because you buy maybe whatever, you buy a couple of cases at a time from your local distributor, you need to know this is going to happen. If you're a homeowner or a pool owner and you have a service company, you need to know about this also. Even if you don't have a service company and you pick up your chlorine retail, you -hmm. still need to know about it. So this applies to everybody. So beginning of October, there was a price increase in chlorine, specifically liquid chlorine, as well as every other product in the industry. And we had a show and we told everybody what we thought was the best thing to do would be to go with just an hourly rate for your service and then charge for chemicals separately because it was out of our control and there was no way we were going to be able to predict what the costs were going to be over the season. We didn't want to lose money. We didn't want to overcharge the customer. We decided to charge market price on the chemicals that the pool actually used. Yes. Remember? Kind of like how a restaurant charges market price for their salmon. Yes, just like that. But a lot of people, I'm sure, implemented that, and a lot stayed with what was their normal MO, which was to charge service, which included chemicals. We also recommended that if you were going to do that, that you wait until later in the spring to announce your price increases and just absorb what comes up along the way. But ultimately, that didn't happen either. We got folks out there, and God bless them, and I totally understand it. You can't always absorb those increases. They had to put out letters announcing a price increase to their customers. And they did this in October. Here we are, December 1st. Another letter comes out from the manufacturer, the liquid chlorine, a major liquid chlorine manufacturer, Prices are going up again starting January 1st, and it's a big price increase. So I wanted to just address this, not because, you know, whatever, whether it's right, whether it's wrong, I don't like it either. But if you're a pool service professional and you have to announce another price increase, I would fully anticipate seeing another one 
after this, sometime before Memorial Day, if not two more. That's a lot. That's that's Rudy's best guess. Well, and that is, you know, that gives me anxiety thinking about it because I already know how because we do we charge extra for for in this market where I am in Florida. <clears throat> we charge extra for stabilizer. Some people charge extra for calcium. Um, and people already go nuts over having to pay extra for stabilizer. And you really have to explain to them why the pool needs it or why it has too much or whatever. And um, I can just imagine that people already will fire companies and will go, you know, go for somebody cheaper when they get the stabilizer charges. So multiple, you know, chlorine charge or chlorine rate increases is going to be equally as upsetting, I imagine. Before the season even starts. Yes. And the season's over, right? For some people. Now, I mean, I know in the Sun Belt we're year round, but people aren't really swimming. And we still look at it like the season has a beginning and an end, whether we close the pools or not. So right now, it's still traditionally Memorial Day through Labor Day. That's the season, whether you close your pool or not. Okay. Because that's when people swim, right? Well, for the most part, sure. Do you not agree? I, I. Do you think I'm wrong? Are you saying that I'm wrong, Andrea? Well, I'm. I'm just letting you know that I went to a commercial pool yesterday and there were like seven people in and it. And how old? And they complain. Oh goodness gracious. The the youngest is probably in her early age. So your cocoon pools don't count. <laughs> Why not? They're still patrons. They still use the pool. They bitch and complain if it's any lower than eighty eight though. I swear to God. I I need that on a sh- that's what I need. That's the shirt I need. Yes, the Correct me on. if I'm wrong. Are these not all old snowbirds that stayed? You are wrong. This is a fully residential, like like an apartment complex. Filled with people that are from the north. No, they all live here. Now, but they stayed. <laughs> they got here at one point and they didn't leave, like you, except they're old. Oh, like back in, yeah, well, I thought you were talking about like seasonal people, like snowbirds. No, these are year-round people. I did say that stayed, didn't I? Did you not hear that part? Did you not understand the words that come out of my mouth? <laughs> Listen, you <laughs> gotta be, spe- I need specifics. I need specifics. I said they, I could write it down for you, but I did say they stayed. Here's the other thing now. Wait, but I let's get back you meant to it. A- just through this one particular season. <laughs> let's go back to what we were talking about. Now, if you are a pool owner and your service guy or gal comes to you with an additional price increase, I know that pisses you off. I They're mad about it, too. They don't want to do it either. Everybody's mad about it, but they don't have a choice because this is what's affecting them. They are seeing a tier-structured price increase where every month their costs are going up a little bit and they're not getting advance warning on it. So they have no choice but to pass that along to the pool owner, which is you, if you're the pool owner listening, take it easy on them. It's not their fault. You don't have to like it. They're seeing these same price increases. And in fact, if you purchase your product retail, you'd see the same exact thing because it's happening to those folks as well. The pricing is going up almost month to month. Yeah. Correct? It's affecting everybody. Nobody's happy about it. Personally, I would rather see the price increases, even if it's a big price increase, happen all at once. Tear off the Band-Aid. Let us know what we're dealing with. We can put our pricing out there to our customers. If I am the customer, then at least I know what pool service is going to cost me. Mm-hmm. Instead of this handbag of shit we're dealing with now. Feels like you're nickel and diamond almost, you know? 
Well, it does, right? It does, but these are not nickels and dimes when they're announcing. Yeah. Ready? Are you sitting I, down? I, are I you ready sitting. for this? 24% price increases. Oh, holy hypochlorite. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You are 110 parts per million correct. Woo! The Talking Pools podcast is brought to you in part by the How to Get Rid of Swimming Pool Algae Handbook. The only book in the industry with a 100% focus on the biggest pain in the ass and scourge of existence for anyone who takes care of pools. Get your copy of the How to Get Rid of Swimming Pool Algae Handbook on Amazon.com, today. When the Talking Pools podcast returns, Rudy and Andrea talk about test kit interferences and what they can tell you about your pool. You test water on a regular basis, right? Yes. Okay. And you use the DPD reagents. Is that the test kit you use? Yes. So there's also DPD powder. There's photometers. There's a whole bunch of different types of test kits out there. I use the DPD and, powder too sometimes. Okay. And those are great because they can read up to 20 parts per million. So it's much higher than the DPD reagents can actually read. And they also measure in much smaller increments, right? If you're using those DPD liquids, it goes from one to three to five or one to two to three to five to, when you're using the dpd powder it can read 0 0.2 0 0.4 0 0.6 correct yes so did you know that every one of these test kits is subject to interference yes i did and did, and if we understand what's causing the interference we can learn even more about the swimming pool that we're taking care of. Mm -hmm. You agree? So I'm going to give you an, I'm going to give you an easy, well, I don't know if it's an easy one or not, but this one's going to require a little bit of thought, but I want to give you an example of how <laughs> far we can actually use these test solutions to help us take care of a swimming pool. So everybody listening, the same thing. If you come up with the answer, um, you know, definitely before Andrea, let us know that, Hey, I'm quicker than Andrea. What? Well, here's one. Uh, I was trying to interrupt you. We, we talked about this already. I don't know if it came out because these all blend together for me, but we talked about it. Or if I was going to say it now. <laughs> well, we talked about it. Or, yeah, I could be jumping the gun here and like stealing your thunder. But yeah, the, the magnesium hydroxide and the calcium test. There's one right there. That's not it. But we'll get to that. I promise we will. So check this out. Let's say you're taking care of one of these commercial pools you take care of, right? Yes. And you're testing the water religiously like you're supposed to, not just pH and chlorine, but the whole gamut, at least at the frequency that you're supposed to be testing these things. And everything's going along great for this one pool. You know, the one with all the old people in it? <laughs> but, you mean all of them with all the old people in it? Yes. <laughs> with it, whatever, whatever, Andrea. But well, I think. I mean, <laughs> you haven't met some of them. You shouldn't be walking around like this. These people will kill you. So you got all these mean old ladies <laughs> that yell at you, but you're testing their water on a regular basis. And all of a sudden, one day you show up and you see that the calcium level in the pool dropped. Leak. There's a leak in the pool, and I don't mean an onion. So explain to us what's going on. How do you know that it's a leak if the calcium hardness level drops? Well, calcium, uh, much like cyanuric acid, does not evaporate or salt. They don't evaporate. Nothing does, right? It all gets left behind. The only thing that leaves is water in evaporation. Right. 
So if the water is, if the, if the calcium is in solution and the water leaves the pool, so does your calcium. What? The calcium is in solution in the water and the water leaves the pool, then so does the calcium. So we're not talking about evaporation anymore. No segue. We're moving into something else. So go on again. Not the Help calcium doesn't evaporate. <laughs> well, I, I, oh my God, I said that calcium doesn't evaporate and you said it doesn't, you said it gets left behind in the pool when the water evaporates. It does, but now I've moved on. <laughs> yes, I guess I just, yes, we moved on from evaporation very quickly. Continue on. So the water leaves the pool, carrying away your undissolvable uh, stuff. Where'd it go? Into the ground. Into the ground. So if you didn't, the only like way James that James and can... the giant peach when all those little green things. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> You've so never seen it... James and the giant peach? No, we're talking calcium right now. So, and pool leaks. So check this out. So the only way you can lower the calcium level in a pool is by. Dilution. Dilution is the solution. Right. You have to replace water, right? If you want to drop the calcium level, you need to drain and refill. That is only if the calcium level of your filled water is lower. Because if your calcium level of your filled water is 400 parts per million, but the calcium level in your pool is 400 parts per million, and you drain it and refill it, what did you change? Your water bill. Pretty much. That and everything in the pool, all the chemistry of the water, except for the calcium hardness level. (laughs) The calcium. So you're going to have to readjust everything else and your calcium hardness level will still be the same. So before you ever do drain to fix a problem, check the chemistry of your fill water to see if it's worth doing. So let's say that it was. That applies to phosphates too, Rudy. Yes, that applies to phosphates too. And it's actually extra important for phosphates because if you spend all that time and energy and money doing a phosphate treatment just to vacuum to waste and then to have to add another two feet of, you know, extra super phosphate laden water from your tap back into the pool. You just did nothing. Exactly. If the only way we can lower the calcium hardness level is to replace water and you didn't drain and refill the pool. And in fact, nobody drained and refilled the pool. That can only mean that the pool is draining by itself. It's leaking, right? That's would be the definition of a leak. Yes. Draining by itself. Correct. Okay. Leaking makes it sound less magical. Could this test Could this (laughs) test, the calcium hardness test, not be the first indication that that pool does have a leak? Maybe weeks or months before you might figure it out otherwise. I have a bunch of things that I look for. Uh, I'm pretty good at spotting them. Like, I can, I can, I can look at a pool and suspect, not know, but I will suspect a leak, mostly by the line of calcium on the tile. You know, that can come from a lot of things, but if there's calcium build up on the tile that makes me think that there's just water coming in fresh water you know water leaving fresh water coming in and there's just constantly an imbalance so <laughs> then for most people who do not have your calcium prowess it, could, it doesn't have to be could that test not be the first indication <laughs> there's a leak can't you just fuck agree with me i did i am agreeing i thought i was agreeing with you it's not the first test but it could be the first indication oh, it that could, there's i a see leak. what you're saying yes You might notice that the calcium level dropped before you see the scale build up on the tile. 
You might. Exactly. So it could be your first indication that there's a leak. Oh, I thought you said it couldn't be. Wow. You said that commercial where the lady is on the phone and, and she's telling her friend and they're like, oh, just come to the party. And she's like, oh, what should I wear? And the lady on the phone goes, oh, no, you know, just nothing fancy. Just it's not a costume party. And then the signal cuts out and all the lady on the other end hears is it's a costume party. And then she shows up to a business dinner dressed like a like a renaissance fair. So all I want to know is how hard was the hit? How hard was the hit when you fell on your head this morning? It's the ginseng. I took ginseng. All right. So anyway, the test kits we use are subject to interference from high levels of chlorine. That's one problem right there. So looking at that chlorine test, let's say you're using the DPD reagents. You add the five drops of the DPD-1, five drops of DPD-2, invert the test block, hold it toward the northern horizon because of the way the yes. lighting affects your eye's ability to see color. And you remove your sunglasses. Any other direction, you're not going to see color as accurately. So we hold it to the lights of the northern horizon at eye level. And that type of test where we do that, where we match color by eyesight, that's known as a colorimetric test. Or if you break the word apart, it's just simply color metric easy peasy so we hold it up we match the color we look away we look back a second later and right before our eyes the color got a little bit lighter at seven or eight parts per million of chlorine you can actually witness the slight effect of bleaching occur because if you think about it if we add a lot of chlorine to water that's what we're creating right chlorine and water is bleach what does bleach do to colors it kills it, it doesn't kills there's them. no killing color what do we do to colors if bleaches them out, right? It, it fades them, it removes them. them. I'm good with any of those things. So if you see that it even fades slightly right around that seven or eight part per million mark, that's what you're looking at there. At 10 parts per million or higher, when you add the five drops of DPD-1, then five drops of DPD-2, you'll see a flash of pink color, but then it goes completely clear because we've completely bleached out the test. We've removed the color from it completely. And if you didn't know that could occur, if you didn't catch that flash of pink, you will mistakenly believe that there is zero chlorine in your pool and you will overchlorinate the hell out of it until your customer takes the water sample to Leslie's up the street and they go, oh, my chlorine's 10. It's important to know that that can occur. Even with the FASDPD method of testing, that's the one where you use the powders, this test can accurately measure levels as high as 20 parts per million. And that's super important because we know if somebody was to have a diarrhea accident in the pool, the treatment involves raising the chlorine level to 20 parts per million, holding it there for 12.75 hours with a pH of 7.5 or less. The DPD reagent test can't measure that. If you don't own one of these FAS DPD test kits, then you have no right treating a fecal incident, at least not a diarrhea incident. So make sure that you do have one of those. But even those can bleach out when the chlorine level is greater than 20 parts per million. The test kits they sell in the pool store, those two-bottle and five-bottle test kits that they sell, you're not supposed to use those in commercial pools. And really, it's frowned upon if pool pros use those as part of their routes as well. And the reason for that is that chlorine test, it uses a chemical called OTO, and that tests for total chlorine only. It does not have the ability to differentiate between free chlorine and total chlorine, so you cannot use that test to determine combined chlorine. But it doesn't bleach out, It right? does not bleach out in the presence of high chlorine level. You know how I know this? Not because of you. Well, because of you. But what I just said about the lady whose chlorine level was over 10, she used OTO to prove to me that my reagent was bad. 
Because I was like, look, I just bought this. And she's like, yeah, but look at this. And she showed me her test kit with the OTO and her shit was brown. <laughs> it, and I literally just took mine and went boop right in the garbage. So if it's brown, we have chlorine. If it's clear, we have no chlorine. And that's just all there is to it. But it helps us. It gives us a direction in which to go in so we know what we're looking at just in case we miss that flash of pink. You can also possibly face a false positive free available chlorine reading. If your pool has a level of manganese in it, when you oxidize manganese, it will turn the water pinkish purple. Same thing holds true in that test block. When you add your five drops of DPD-1, then five drops of DPD-2, DPD-2 is a powerful oxidizer. Those five drops can oxidize manganese, giving you a pinkish purple color in the water. And when you're holding up your test block to match the color, it's going to look like you have a chlorine level, whether you do or you don't. So that's a possibility. Another one is permanganate. A lot of folks who have well water will use permanganate to treat the water for iron bacteria. That also will turn pinkish purple when it's been oxidized. So it is absolutely realistic that you could get a false positive free chlorine level. The pH test, the chemical we use to test pH is called phenyl red. The pH scale, we know it runs from 0 to 14. On that scale, is 7 is neutral. Our acceptable range is 7.2 to 7.8. The range we look at, a very small portion of that scale. Phenol red, the chemical that we use to test pH, can test a range at between 6.8 and 8.2. So for us, that works. 6.8 would look yellow, and we know anything lower than 6.8 is going to look just like 6.8. So the only thing we can say for sure is when it shows up yellow is that it's 6.8 or lower. The same thing on the opposite end. You get that reddish pink color at 8.2. Anything above 8.2 is going to look exactly like 8.2. So when we test 8.2, the only thing we can say is that the pH is 8.2 or higher. So without using your acid demand test or your base demand test to calculate how much you need to put in, phenol red's really not going to help you much when you're at those extremes. But again, like I said, it works well for the ranges that we keep keep in swimming pools. If the chlorine level was to reach 15 parts per million or higher, phenol red, the chemical that we use to test pH, would undergo a change, and it would become chlorophenol red. Chlorophenol red is actually still used in science to test pH, except it tests a very different range. Chlorophenol red is only capable of testing a range between 4.8 and 6.6. Anything above 6.6 is going to show up a brilliant violet color. So if you get a darker purple on a pH reading, it doesn't mean that you have a pH of 20. It means your chlorine is too high. But you got to realize anything above 6.6 is looking violet. That includes 7.2, 7.3, 7.4. So if we were to start dumping in acid, you could very easily create a problem where there wasn't one. Total alkalinity test, same thing. We start out, we add two drops of our chlorine neutralizer. Then we add five drops of our alkalinity indicator. And again, if there is any total alkalinity in that solution whatsoever, when we add those five drops, the solution turns green. If there is zero total alkalinity in that solution, we get that salmon pink color. However, if we were to add those five drops of the indicator and it became a bluish teal color, that would be an indication that we have a high level of chlorine in the water. The other thing to look for is the end result. Normally, we get that salmon pink 
colored end result after we've counted the drops. And again, this type of test where we add drops to make a color change is known as a titration test. But normally we get that salmon pink end color. If the chlorine level is too high, we'll actually get a yellow color to it. Now, these drops of R007, the sodium thiosulfate chlorine neutralizer, each drop will neutralize 2.5 parts per million of chlorine from that sample. So that means the two drops we get only neutralizes five parts per million. Anything above that, it's okay to add one additional drop, but you don't want to do any more than that if you want to guarantee that you're getting a real accurate total alkalinity result. Should we ever add this if we see that the chlorine level is changing the pH? If we're getting that chlorophenol red reaction we just spoke about? I wouldn't, just simply because we're not dealing with a large amount of water. And that sodium thiosulfate test solution has its own pH. It actually has a pH of 9.6. So every drop of that you add, you're boosting the pH of that sample dramatically. So again, total alkalinity test, we're adding drops to make a color change. So that type of test is known as a titration test. The other titration test that we do, we spoke about it just a moment ago. Andrea was talking about looking at the dots when she mentioned magnesium hydroxide. So that's important also. And we talked a little bit about that last week. When you start to conduct that hardness test, the first 20 drops you add, the whole purpose of that is to skyrocket the pH so it eliminates the effects of magnesium on your test. We don't want to test magnesium. Magnesium and calcium hardness together, that gives us total hardness. We don't want total water hardness. What we want is calcium hardness. So total water hardness, that's what you get when you test the hardness level with a test strip. That's not good for us when dealing with pools. We're only concerned with the calcium hardness. That's the number that we use when we calculate the saturation index. So if we add those 20 drops, and then we follow with our five drops of the indicator. As we're titrating, if we start to see little purple dots appear as we're adding the drops to titrate, almost like it's starting to coagulate a bit, that's because that's exactly what it's doing. If it's letting me know I have a level of magnesium hydroxide in the water, which is also known as milk of magnesia, which also happens to be a very effective flock at high pH. And that's good to know. Now, this is not going to affect the end result of the test, but it's good to know because if you ever have a spike in pH in that pool, you could see that you end up with a white, almost wet paste-like precipitant on the floor of the pool. It looks completely different than the snowflaking that you get when the salt cell reverses polarity and kicks out the calcium. Totally different than that. You can kind of snowball it, in fact. So this looks different than that, and it's a good thing to give the customer a heads up. There's nothing you can do about it. There was a level of magnesium in the water. Magnesium, just like everything else that passes through the salt cell, is subject to electrolysis. In the process of electrolysis, magnesium can hook up with hydroxide, and what you get is magnesium hydroxide. And that's what we're talking about here. So it's good to know that it's there. That won't affect the end result, but it does tell us a little bit about what we could see in the future. Now, if we're running that same titration test to test our calcium hardness level and we're adding the drops to titrate and the color never changes, no matter how many drops you add, it just never changes. That is an indication that we have a high level of metals in the water. Most likely, it's iron. But it could be a whole slew of other metals that could affect that end result, including manganese. 
which we spoke about initially when we were talking about a false positive free available chlorine level. So how do we know to look for that, that that could be a possibility? Well, if you see that you're conducting that calcium hardness test and you can't get the solution to titrate, the next thing I would do is run a test for the full gamut of metals on that solution to see exactly what metal we're dealing with. And if it is a manganese level, then we know that it is also possible that it is affecting our free available chlorine reading, it might not be as it appears to be, right? It could be zero, even though it's looking like we have something in there. So that's something to look at as well. So those are just a few of the different interferences and some of the things that they can tell you about what's going on in the water in your pool. Like I said, the more we know about these things, the more control we have over what's going on, the better a handle we have on our water chemistry. And it's just from understanding the test kit. Give me two more chlorine neutralizers. Go. Uh, um, one of those acids. Ascorbic acid? Yes. Awesome. Ascorbic acid. Give me the third one. You know um, this. Uh, Remember Brazil. Uh, oh, um, hydrogen peroxide. Yes. Very good. <laughs> awesome. Do I get one of those coffee mugs now as a, as a prize? We're get, no, you get right. a bottle of hydrogen peroxide from your local Walgreens. That's right. <laughs> the Talking Pools podcast brought to you by Walgreens. Not <laughs> Anyway, every time Santa Claus says, ho, 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 I think of those three girls that used to sit in the back seat of the bus in high school. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. <sighs> and that is the end of our show for today. Andrea? Take us out of here. All right. Well, you know the drill, guys. Follow us. Uh, subscribe. Leave us nice reviews. Not um, Leave us nice ones. Maybe we'll shout you out. If you have any questions, feel free to send them to us. Join our group. Watch, watch Rudy's TikTok videos that he doesn't post. <laughs> Every now and then I put up a ferret. All right. Absolutely. So, with that, again, we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll, we look forward to chatting with you all again next week. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People, for the Pool People, by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 